Hello and welcome to Modern Babylon. I'm the Cultural Contrarian and this is our inaugural broadcast on podcast. Uh, this is a fantastic opportunity that I, I just wanted to kind of share with you all. It's the impetus that brought me to this place today. Uh, this past weekend, I had the fantastic privilege of attending a private course uh, with Miss Heather Ann Havenwood. She's very well known as a media influencer, and she is uh, very well documented and has a great book out there called The Sexy Boss. And, and she spent a tremendous amount of time in coaching and mentoring and, and encouraging and training individuals like myself, and I was amongst a group of other professionals that were encouraging us to own our voice, and I am totally taking ownership of my voice. But for my inaugural broadcast, I wanted to kind of get you a little background into who I am that gives me my perception of credibility to speak on what I talk, a very important topic, and that's about reclaiming freedom. So let me give you a little journey about myself and as a very young child, I grew up in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. That my I didn't wear shoes, and I had the the sap of pine on the bottoms of my feet, so I had black feet everywhere I wandered. And I was a very active, energetic kid, very young. But I wound up getting diagnosed with something which is a little unusual, called osteochondritis, which is a, a bone deterioration disease that required me to possibly be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. But fortunately, through medical intervention and some great homeopathic treatments. That was not my destiny. So I was able to overcome a hurdle at a very young age. And I had a very strong, congregated family growing up in New Jersey. My grandparents were nearby. My aunts and uncles were nearby. My cousins were nearby. And we all grew up together in a very tight, loving family. And I just happened to be raised by my parents in, in the Mormon faith. And if anyone's familiar with uh, Mormonism, it has a very favored position for, for young men and a very devo devoted one, one that is based upon uh, some tremendous rigors in, in Bible study and seminary and lots of attendance at church activities during the week and during the weekend. And it got you into a kind of a, a really good, strong, powerful routine. Now, our family as I was growing up, had its ups and downs and challenges, and we moved from town to town as my father's career advanced. But while I was in the middle school and in the senior high school, it became evident that I was a neurodivergent, a neuroatypical, that I didn't fit the rigors of the academic program. And I was very much seen as an outsider, and they didn't know what to do with me, and I didn't, I didn't mold very well. And... One of the remedies for that is you go to the psychologist and psychiatrist and go, what's wrong with my kid? And they would ask questions, are you on drugs or whatever, until it was learned that I was a neuroatypical. I just didn't see the world the way others saw the world. So as I went through the college years and I was starting to move along in my career, I was never the cube dweller. I was outside the box. As a matter of fact, the box didn't even apply to me. And my career took massive ups and downs. And I was a basement tinkerer and I was developing technologies at a very young age. I, I developed products that 
were being used by the telecommunications industry for giants such as AT&T or Lucent that wound up being purchased by them. And somebody by the name of Quest took one of my designs and tweaked it and patented it for themselves. And that was a tremendous learning curve. I learned the importance of patents. Then I would be tinkering on something else and I created businesses that were kind of outside the box, got involved in very large projects. So my career has had some very high, high points. And one of the things that I developed in the video game industry was absolutely market changing. One of the highest gross revenue video game machines on the planet at the time. But I learned that sometimes things that are really good can go really bad. And I wound up receiving, after going to a trade show and launching this product, then I wound up being a disruptive technology. Not only was I disruptive to the video gaming industry, but I was disruptive to government entities, government agents. And that particular point in my career, I was doing so well only to come home from a trade show and be served with a, a lawsuit that was several inches thick that was accompanied by death threats to my wife, myself, my daughter, received videos of my daughter getting off the bus. I got acid thrown on the hood of my car. They wanted me to go away. Went to bankruptcy court. It's one of the very few people in my state that had to go into bankruptcy court under the escort of several federal marshals. I wasn't able to stay in my home. I actually had to leave my own home because the threats were coming to my doorstep and I had to leave my own castle. It's pretty scary when you're knowing your life is on the line at the hands of something very big and powerful. But I had some other career pinnacles that I helped companies grow quite successfully and they figured that they can handle it from now and they would let me go and I'd have to go find a new path. And I've, I, I've done some things in developing a product and a service to help keep people safe online, keep kids safe online. I invested a tremendous amount of energy in trying to teach parents about the dangers, risks, and threats of the permanence of what happens with children online. And I wound up getting sucked into a path online that I was rescuing children who were attempting to commit suicide online. This is across the globe. I built a nature, a, a network of friends across the globe that we would have a, a hot call like an amber alert that when somebody was online, we would do everything in our power to try to get the first responders before that child's life was snuffed out. And then I had parents come to me and say, well, why did my child take their lives? And then I would go look at their social media that the parents would share with me and I'm, it was disheartening because it was all in plain view. It was on their YouTube channels, it was on their Twitch channels, it was on Snapchat. And it was hard for me to say to the parents, you need to grieve your child. Grieve your child first. And when you want to know and you're prepared, go look what your child left behind on the internet. And I highly encourage you have a therapist in your back pocket when you open that door. So around that time, I got struck with cancer. Stage four cancer. Required me to be First thing I needed to do is I had a massive tumor behind my eyeball. 
I had to go through radiation, targeted radiation treatment for my eye. Unfortunately, that's resulted in partial blindness in my left eye, but that's okay. I have another eye. But when I had the, the infection of the cancer in my body, I needed to go through the various chemo treatments and stem cell replacement therapy. And um, man, if you had the wisdom of what that would be, you may, may make different decisions because the, I guess the, the side effects, which they list out numerously, you're just taking a hope and a gamble that you don't have those. So I lost a lot of weight. But during that time, I was still trying to rescue kids, and I was wandering around the hospital with my, my phone and my laptop, and I was broadcasting around the world, and being a, a ray of sunshine that I could in, in some of my darkest hours, navigating the, the various floors and hallways of the hospital. And this is at the, on the floor where people's time, their days are numbered there. You'd see people lining up at the doors or preparing for the passing of a loved one. And I would walk by and I'd stand and I'd offer a prayer and sometimes I'd walk into the room and pray over the family. It was an incredibly powerful time for me even though I was stricken. It fortified me. But one time I was walking through that hospital with my phone and my laptop on my titration tower with all these bags of chemicals flowing into my body all six foot zero, 130 pounds of me, no hair looking like Voldemort from Harry Potter. Mom and dad and young man crossed me in the hallway at around one o'clock in the morning. The son grabbed the phone off my tower and threw it on the floor and kept on walking. It just so happened it was done in the visibility of the security guard who was just sitting there. And I shouted to the security guard, yo, aren't you gonna do anything? It's like, no, there's nothing to do. I said, who, aren't you here to protect me? And he said, no, no, I'm not here to protect you. And that shocked me. And that episode was just one of a series of events that I have had an awareness pierced, my conscience pierced. I've had encounters with law enforcement where they have gone beyond their authority. I've had the unfortunate position of having my hands put pain in pain compliance devices, torture devices. 25 minutes with bracelets around your hands cutting into your arms. And I will tell you, if you've never had that experience, you absolutely hate the person that, was put, that put those on you, especially when you've done nothing wrong. You hate that person. And I don't like to have hate in my body. It's a to toxicity that needs to get out. So after having experienced those kind of events, I had one milestone event that happened when I was trying to get my driver's license that I was physically assaulted by a security guard. And when I went to report it as a crime, I was treated like garbage, like I was the criminal. And I had to take that all the way through civil and criminal court to get justice. And that was a fight what I needed to do to get justice and the amount of evidence that I needed to prepare was overwhelming. And what I learned is that we don't have a society of equal justice. When I learned that, and I started going down this path of study and 
listening to the Supreme Court rulings such as Graham versus Connor or Fraser v. Cup or Miranda versus Arizona and understanding that our system is unbalanced where I thought the supreme law of the land was the Constitution, I was sadly disappointed to learn that the supreme law of the land is the Supreme Court precedent that over, reaches over top of that constitutional document. And it's not only the Supreme Court precedent, it's how the enforcers or our system creates laws, regulations, policies around those to create restraint, to create permissions. I am so thankful for what the Founding Fathers did when they broke away from the king and created this document that was meant for man's freedom, for us to be truly free individuals, to have free body autonomy, to make our own choices, but it's, we're at a place today where the government is doing many, many things to restrain us, all in the name of safety. But that actually happened decades and decades and decades and decades ago. It's been like we've been a, a pot of citizens on a stove. And decade after decade, the temperature has gotten turned up. And we're on a rolling boil. We just don't know that our skin has been pruned off our bodies. And I desire to claim my freedom, but I claim my freedom in a way that many other people don't. I do it in a position that is I love thy neighbor, that I understand and appreciate and respect those in public, public service, truly respect them. Because it's not a, a noble, it's, it's a noble job, but it's under-recognized, under-appreciated, and, and citizens can be a, a massive pain in the behind that we don't treat people with respect. We have a culture and society now that is very emotionally laden, very reactionary, and we provide justification for any outburst that we put in any direction. I'm not talking left, right. We all are venting this vile spew and I believe we're all united. We're all sacks of flesh, Imago Dei. And then we all want to do a good job. We all want to bring in an income to support our families and, and, and take care of our, our livelihood, be able to put some money away so we can have a vacation with our family or enjoy the necessities but save for the luxuries. And that we all want to come home safe. We all want to be recognized by our employer that we can advance in our career, that we can make the milestone movements over time. I think that unites us all. But sometimes our behavior is not very uniting. It's actually quite the opposite. It's quite divisive. So the purpose of me starting a podcast is because I'm heavily censored on social media. YouTube doesn't like what I say. Facebook. Twitter, all of the big social medias have a way to silence certain voices. And I just want to share my voice, share my experience, share the benefit of my study, and invite people to, to learn more 
about modern Babylon and the cultural contrarian and how we can all be free. See, freedom is something like a muscle. We can either exercise it or we can let it atrophy. And we really can't point to the others. We can blame them for them doing their job. But it's really interesting, the Supreme Court and the lawyers and the courts and the judges have all said ignorance of the law is not a defense of the law in the court of law. So we have a tremendous burden. The burden is we need to know the law. And the really crazy thing is that when someone stands with the knowledge of the law and of the Supreme Court and stands free, it's, it appears strange. There's a young man down in Florida. He's called the Armed Fisherman. Florida law and statutes afford for the open carrying of a gun when going to and from fishing. So this is a fisherman. He'll use a rod and a reel or he'll use a line with a chicken neck and a weight at the end. And he will go fishing and he will carry, open carry his arms while he's going to and from fishing. The reason why? Because he's encountered people that have tried to steal his fish. That's theft. And he has every right to defend and protect himself when he's trying to feed his family. But the crazy thing is all the citizens in Florida say, oh no, this looks strange, this guy walking around with a gun. Because they don't know the law. They're ignorant of the law. Ignorance is not a four-letter word. It's just lack of knowledge. They just don't know. So they pick up the phone, they call the police on them, the police surround them. They harass and harass and harass unlawfully. They violate his civil rights every time he goes fishing. Every single time he's out trying to go fishing on a pier or on a beach or in a canal, wherever he goes, he's harassed, demanded for him to provide his ID. They unlawfully detain him. And these things that I'm talking about, people just stand and observe, just ignoring that they're the ones that caused this harm. This poor young man is in an, a, a situation where he could lose his life because our law enforcement have the ability to act when they are in fear for their lives. And they can just merely state it, not that there's any evidence that supports it. They just let that decision rule out in the court. See, there's a very funny statement that those in authority make. You might beat the charge but you'll never beat the ride. So when that person is standing out there holding a sign of something that's objectionable, well, free speech is sometimes difficult. Maybe hard to hear certain speech. I put a video up of a, a local Starbucks that their patrons were, were driving through the drive-through and there was right next to the Starbucks was a pro-life center, which they were offering free ultrasounds. And they had signs saying, 
free ultrasounds, and a phone number. And the people that were going through the drive-thru were making comments to Starbucks, the employees, and the employees felt it important that they would go and have an interaction with their neighbor regarding their emotional response to static imagery on a sign. And I took it upon myself to go to the Starbucks and have a conversation with them. And I said, listen, free speech is a tough thing, man. It is a tough thing. And certain words can, be, can really hurt people. And I said, as loving your neighbor and loving your employees, I, I can see that they may be concerned about some of the words that are on these signs about free ultrasound. If you guys are of a different worldview, that, that babies are disposable. I, I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. And if you are triggered by those words, I would seek your employer to see if you can get some therapeutic assistance. But if your employer is not willing to offer that to you, I'd be pleased to love upon you and get you the therapeutic assistance to help you find coping mechanisms to manage those things, things you see in the public square, which cause you pain. I'll love you through that. I don't want to see you in pain. I don't want to see a fellow human in pain. I've had my own pain, and I'm thankful for the people that love me through my pain. It's all I could do. I can be pleased to make that offer. So sometimes people standing in and on their rights with the respect and honor and professionalism as they encounter those people that don't know it, it may appear bizarre. But I could, can't imagine that just by saying something can trigger someone to violence. I'm a non-aggression principle kind of person. I don't want to instigate. I don't want to conflate. I don't want to aggress. But I do want to be heard. When I have concerns about what's happening inside of schools with what a, a state education system is doing to children and socially isolating them, locking them into rooms with no means to get, a, get to a bathroom, them trespassing them out of compulsory education and pulling them off to the side, giving them detentions, suspensions, or making medical decisions for these kids as to them being required to wear some medical intervention or device just to get inside of the building. But for some reason, when you're outside the building and you're in a restaurant, it doesn't matter anymore. These fictitious rules that aren't based upon any known documented science. And being free does look bizarre. It does look bizarre. So I wanted to give you a, a sense of who I was to prepare you for some of the things that I'm going to be talking about. And it's all going to rest on being free. And I understand that at all times we can't remain free. I, I recognize it myself. And I've made personal decisions to give up my freedom for personal situations, for personal circumstances. I've shared a story that I was up at our local state house and I wanted to take my wife inside of the state house and look around the dome, the Capitol Dome, and look at the furnishings. And as I walked through the security gate, I had a little penknife. Many men carry a penknife. And it beeped off and the, the officer said, you need to leave your knife, but I'll need your driver's license as well so you can come and collect. And I turn my head to my wife and I go, thinking to myself, do I want to surrender my Fourth Amendment right to be secure in my person's papers, properties, and effects simply because he asked? Normally I would say no. 
I grab my penknife and I walk out because I don't have a need to give up a right to go into the people's building. But I looked at her and I thought, you know what, this is a beautiful day for my wife. We were up celebrating something of a, a landmark event at our capital. I looked at her and I smiled and I pulled out my license and I just plopped it down with the security guard and we kept on walking. I surrendered. I gave up. I consented. I know I did it. I know I gave up in that moment for my own personal satisfaction and the pleasure of my wife. I gave up freedom and granted and accepted that I was having to have permission. Most of the time I won't. That time I did. But I understand that. I don't blame that on anybody else but myself. I understand my hypocrisy. I understand that I can have double standards and I can strive to rebel against it, but I also recognize there will be times where I won't because the fear may be too much and I don't want to put my life on that particular line. But that's what I'm going to be talking about. That freedom is a muscle that we can exercise. And I'm not suggesting that the next episode you're going to learn how to be free. I would never suggest that. For the people that listen to me, I've counseled them against stepping in the face in the front on that line in the face of tyranny. And I don't mean tyranny as a profession. I mean a tyranny as an individual who is violating their oath. The oath that the public servant swears to uphold, protect, and defend our constitutional rights. And when they don't do that and they do things which are unlawful in their authority, I stand up and hold them accountable to that. That looks strange. But that's the power the Constitution provides for us. And that's the power that the Supreme Court says you can still have it. Even though we make it difficult for you to have it, we put all of these barriers and hurdles and obstacles before you. I can't complain that we've consented to them to do this over these decades. I'm going to acknowledge it for what it is and say, dang, that stinks. But I have to go to all this effort? Yeah, got to go to all this effort. Because if I want the change that I want in others, I recognize I'm going to invest the time and energy to do that. So that's where my teaching comes from, to help people be educated more about the Constitution, their rights, the law, to equip you, to help you rehearse and understand where your limits and lines are. I offer no judgment. I just shared with you that I've consented myself. These are all personal decisions. And then after that equipping, all of a sudden you can be empowered and you can get courage, courage. Because right now we are being pressed down with fear, anxiety, and stress. And once you have the knowledge and you're equipped and you rehearse, you can gain back some empowerment that you can combat your fear with courage. So I thank you for this opportunity for me to reclaim my voice, to own the media of my communication, and to not be censored. And I would love it if people would, that support this kind of messaging, that they would share it, follow it, and take, take advantage of clicking the links at the end of the broadcast. Now tag them at the end of the show that you can see some of the things that I have put together to help people. Because this is a journey. This is not a fix for tomorrow. It took me years of study and even actually testing it out in the street 
before I can gain my degree of freedom and I'm not totally free. I align myself with other people that are even more free than myself and that I can look for them as a model and to gain my own courage from watching what they do. So I'm going to end this broadcast today. Thank you so much for listening. This was my inaugural broadcast and I look forward to more episodes where I can be teaching you how to begin reclaiming freedom. Take care. This is Modern Babylon and Culture Contrary. Have a good night. Thank you.